And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Mr. Scott. Shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? violate the treaty captain sir someone is stealing the enterprise what are you scratching at <laughs> humans make illogical decisions Welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday, number 58. This is the the original series edition, the 1701 edition. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with my bestest Star Trek buddy, Scott Gardner. <laughs> How's it going, man? Good. And we have been, uh, how should I put it, balls to the wall for the last few months. <laughs> Just working and pumping out podcasts. But uh, and and somehow we managed to get it together, to get I work and I slave and what thanks do I get? <laughs> but uh, we pulled it together just in time to to bring you a a, a new couple of Star Trek <laughs> episodes. All of it in one sock, as you're fond of saying. <laughs> as it were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I. I just kind of pulled that out of my butt there a minute ago about uh, I slave and I slave and what thanks do I get. But come to think of it, that's actually a very apt thing for me to have said because it occurs to me as I sit down to do this episode and I was doing my last minute homework and throwing things together and suddenly I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I've got to remember to fulfill the semi-promise that I made last episode in Star Wars Monthly Monday to... uh, address our feedback in a timely fashion so i thought "Ooh, i'm really looking forward to this and guess what (laughs) none (laughs) nothing but 
but moths in the in the mailbag. There was nothing, dude. Not a single email relevant to Star Trek Monthly Monday. I'm I'm crushed. I'm devastated. Nothing really. Nothing at all. Nothing to comment. You didn't like the show. You you didn't listen. You you thought we just you know come on right in. They hate us. Uh, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm hurt. Ah, slackers. Nothing but a bunch of slackers. They think we're doing this for our health. Well, I'm not. Let me tell you. <laughs> our health. <laughs> what are we doing for our health, by the way? <laughs> Nothing. Doritos are healthy, right? Sure. If they make uh, you happy, man. <laughs> there you go. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, nah, nothing. Nothing. That's that's going to be kind of the theme of the whole beginning of the show, because I got nothing. There's no emails. There's nothing new in the world of Star Trek in, in my life. I haven't gotten anything Star Trek-like lately, so I'm just... I got nothing, man. Me neither. We can pretty much just dive right into this one, because I got nothing. I was actually... I, 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 I did spend a, a few days finally... You know, all the comics that I pulled out to read for the show or just to read, and then all the new comics or new old comics that people have been sending me, I've been having them pile up, like literally spilling out of my room into the hallway and making a, a you know, a, a mess for everybody. So I was like, I'm going to get these comics all organized and finally get all my long, long boxes, you know, everything in the long boxes that are supposed to be. And man, I forgot how many of Star Trek comics you sent me when um <laughs> now I'm embarrassed I can't remember her first name, Gil Gerard's wife. Oh Janet, yeah. Janet Gerard. That 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 were mostly like doubles of stuff that you got from Janet Gerard. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy to find out that I pretty much have ah, the next twenty issues of the next yeah, generation should, comic it should be a pretty solid run because i, I know that i don't have like, every issue but yeah it's it was a pretty solid run yeah and like the last couple issues i've been reading them off uh, off my little laptop and squinking my eyes like popeye's dad <laughs> what and, squinky eye and uh and now i don't have to do it i actually have the hard copy of that comic for that's in the the uh, other ep- episode but Man, I I forgot how many Star Trek comics I had. I have to I have to delve into those a little more and see exactly what I have. I what I really want to do is I was um I was talking up Scott 2.0 about it cuz he had n- I I don't know if it was because we were talking about the Fumetti that's coming out that uh John Byrne's doing or mm-hmm. just talking about John Byrne in general. But he didn't know that John Byrne did a bunch of uh, Star Trek comics for uh, IDW. Is it IDW? IDW, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I was telling him about those, and that just made me think, I got to reread all those because I forgot how good they are. And I would probably get into them even more now. We should do like a special sometime. sometimes. Sometimes, like like yeah. Yeah, like a John Byrne Star Trek special and cover like the IDW stuff and uh, and whatever else because well, I know Fumetti should be out like any second now so I'd like to get my grubby little paws on that and uh, yeah you know and then and then once we have that we could we'd have a whole bunch of stuff to 
particular. I wonder what the chance is of getting him on a show to talk about Star Trek. Because to my understanding, he's never done a podcast interview. Now I could be wrong about that, but I've I've asked around and I've heard that before that he does not do podcast interviews. But I know that he has a, a great love of Star Trek, so maybe he just hasn't been invited to the right venue. You know, you know, kept, you know, find that hook. So I don't know. That that might be worth checking into because that would be awesome. That would be, be a nice little coup to, to score to be the first podcast to get John Byrne on it. That would be cool. That would be really cool. But uh, yeah, I'd love to do that because I mean, you know, in addition to all that stuff he did for IDW, I mean, we couldn't exactly do like a review of it or anything as far because there's no story involved. But he did a lot of pages for I think it was a two issue series if I remember right. It was. Um, Who's Who in Star Trek that DC oh, put out way back when. I remember he that. He had a lot of art for that, and uh, and it was fantastic. I mean, the best pages were the burn pages, because okay. he did con, and... I could totally gosh, see what his con would look like. I'm Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that Fometti. I, I love Fometti's, and I want to see how he pulls it off, you know, using existing Star Trek episodes. Right, I can see how you can do dialogue and stuff like that, but there, I wonder if he's gonna do. There's gonna be some Photoshop work in, involved in order to cross streams and stuff. I, I, it's gonna be very interesting. Yeah, that's true because you know there's you know there's the episodes where you know for the most part they look the same from episode to episode, but you know Kirk wore you know the different uniform top in mm. some episodes, so you know right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think it's just neat to, you know, to kind of, sort of, in a way, get a new classic Star Trek episode. Well, that's I the thing is, a really neat idea. Is I imagine he's writing the stories, and he really has a feel for cl- mm-hmm. the feel of classic Star Trek. He writes classic stories Trek. that feel like Star Trek. So, mm-hmm. you know, the the picture part, the photo part of it's kind of a novelty. But I'm more looking forward to seeing what the story is he comes up with. Did you ever finish Dr. McCoy Frontier, what was it called, Frontier Doctor or Frontier Medicine or whatever it was called? I think it was Frontier Doctor. Because it just occurred to me that that was right around the time that I moved down here to Florida, and I'm pretty sure I have all the issues, but I don't think I've finished the series. I think I read like the first two, I think. I know I definitely read the first one and was really intrigued by it. I think I read the first two, and I think that was a four issue mini i think yeah and i think they were all pretty much one and dones you know i think right. they were all pretty much just like their own little self-contained things and they would have little easter eggs but they were you know just here and there so it wasn't something where you're getting a whole story you know running storyline i'd have to reread it again but i remember it was really good it was one of those things where i didn't know it was just a four issue series so i was like right eagerly awaiting number five <laughs> Because there was no indication that it was over. It was just, you know, right. another issue was finished. I'll see if I can scare up a, uh, a complete John Byrne Star Trek checklist somewhere. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can uh, maybe we can work on that at some point in the new year. Do a little do, uh, special, do a yeah. special, or maybe a series of specials. Because I, I know there's, there's actually quite a bit of stuff. Because he did that, um, that series about number one. Uh, what was that called? Crew, I think. Yes, that was really good. And he did several Romulan specials. 
or minis or whatever you want to call them. He did um, the Dr. McCoy one. And then I think he's done several just like one shots as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, but like I say, I don't really, you know, I, I file all my stuff strictly alphabetical. So I don't really have like an index of exactly, mm-hmm. you know, what everything is. I'll have to see if I can find a list. I'm sure there's got to be one out there somewhere. Well, luckily, I, I just put all my Star Trek stuff in one place <laughs> right so no matter who it was from or titled it's all st- it's titled alphabetically and it's actually well, more more in time frame but it's still alphabetically within that yeah well that's true just you know if i just go through alphabetically it'll still be under you know it'll still all be under star trek it'd just be a matter of hunting it down but yeah i would i would be definitely into that and you know, and come to think of it, I'm wondering why neither Marvel or uh, or DC ever ever tried to get Byrne to do Star Trek stuff for them. You know, beyond the who's who stuff. Right. Or maybe he was just too busy, or maybe he was in one of those pissed off phases during the time they had the licenses or something. You know, who knows? Yep, yep. he could have been doing something else that took up yeah. the time. Uh, it's a shame because they never. That, that's the one thing with with these Star Trek titles so far so i won't say they never get big names but they don't get them for very long you know yeah and sometimes like the big parents. names were a little disappointing sometimes with yeah with some of these you know but that's true i mean even if they just got john byrne as the writer for star trek it would have definitely oh, put yeah. a big improvement on it i mean now i say that you know with us not yet having having hit the peter david stuff because right. Peter david definitely a big name and i'm sure we're going to enjoy those stories but uh you know, just as far as like the the visual side of it, I mean, you know, not to say that we don't get good ones from time to time, but for the most part, that's always the problem I have with licensed stuff in comics is that generally speaking, yeah, it's passable at best. You know, they hardly ever get a superstar to come in on mm-hmm. it, and that's a little disappointing. So, it, it's a shame that they didn't try a little harder, um, you know, to get better art in there, but. I don't know the the next gen one that we're going to talk about. It's getting better. I I don't know that I'll ever become a fan of this particular team, but it's getting better. Right. You know, they're 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 finding their legs. I, so. uh, yeah, and losing their necks. <laughs> but that's for the other episode. <laughs> well, if we don't have anything else, are we ready to go ahead and dive right into this sucker? Then I'm ready. All right. This month, it's the Immunity Syndrome. Captain's Log, Stardate 4308.8. The Intrepid, it just died. And the 400 Vulcans aboard, all dead. The stars are gone. According to the life monitors, we're dying. We're all dying. I cannot say what it is, Captain, but I would say it has found us. Grant me my own kind of dignity. How can I grant you what I don't understand? Contact in six seconds. Spark, come in. Come in. Contact lost, sir. Power levels are dead, sir. You may have just written our epitaph, Mr. Stone. Immunity Syndrome. And as we were talking about, I think, the last episode, 
there's just far too many episodes that have something, you know, syndrome or immunity or whatever in them because, you know, you have like the paradise syndrome, the right. immunity syndrome. It's like, I have trouble keeping all Horns these straight. for immunity. <laughs> right. Trouble um, syndromes. <laughs> so I looked this up real quick because uh, I've been meaning to do this all along and I've just been a slacker about it. I've been very lax, but uh, I did look it up to see. Uh, according to what I'm looking at here, this first aired the 19th of January 1968. So this uh, this predates us by several months. So that old. But the synopsis for this one, of course, comes from the Nitpicker's Guide for Classic Trekkers. And it reads as such. While investigating the disappearance of the USS Intrepid and all life from the Gamma 7A star system, the Enterprise encounters an area of darkness. Soon the crew begins experiencing deep fatigue, and power starts draining from the engines. Spock reports that the area emits some type of field that is incompatible with biological and mechanical processes. Realizing the threat to the galaxy, Kirk presses forward into the darkness. (laughs) Yeah, I'll bet he does. We'll get into that later. Yes. A short time later, a giant single-cell organism approaches. Understanding the need for the intimate knowledge about the creature, Spock pilots a shuttle into the cell to perform close-range testing. Once inside, Spock locates the nucleus of the cell and makes another disturbing discovery. From the pattern of the chromosomes... It appears the cell is preparing to reproduce. When Spock, uh, when Spock's transmission cease, Kirk takes the Enterprise into the cell. Arriving at the nucleus, the crew deposits a probe containing antimatter. Oh, this is getting hot. <laughs> Kirk then orders full astern. I bet he does. On the way out, <laughs> they find Spock's shuttle and latch onto it with two tractor beams. Then the antimatter explodes, spinning the membrane and tossing both ship and shuttle to safety. And that is the dry-as-a-fart synopsis from the Nitpicker's Guide for Classic Trekkers. (laughs) Dry as an old old lady's fart, I think, is the proper (laughs) term. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think of the immunity syndrome? I was trying to figure out exactly what the you know where they got the title, and then I just gave up on it. I <laughs> I think this is like the original in Star Trek Into Darkness. They should have, <laughs> if they really wanted to like remake an episode, they should have remade this exciting, um, pulse pounding episode. I like this one. I, I like, like it, it too. I think this one though does suffer from age. Um, How so? Well, I just think, I mean, I don't even think I saw the, um, the, the, I don't know if they tricked it up for, but this one, this one reminds me of a couple episodes ago, or was it last episode, which, where we had the, um, the companion, so we had another, last episode, last episode, yeah, so we have another, you know, refugee from a psychedelic light show, (laughs) <laughs> and, the, and and stuff, but it just it, it was um, you know, good science fiction wise, but um, once you pretty much 
you know, and I don't remember a lot of this episode. I remember we talked about it at the end of last episode, and we both remembered this was one that we were both like, oh, God, when it came on as kids. But I didn't remember a lot about it, except, you know, that when they got inside, they realized the cell was... um was starting, you know, the cell wall was starting to split, and it was going to split into two. And that's all you, you had to remember, because I sort of, like, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember how they they work this out. And then the entire episode is just them working it out, you know. So, it didn't have a lot of pulse-pounding edge of your seat. See, I think that's why I didn't have really clear or really fond memories of it from childhood. But this is one of those episodes that whenever I do dig it out and watch it, I always feel bad that I don't instantly think of this one as one of the really good ones because every time I'm done watching, I'm like, you know, that's a really solid episode. But I agree with you. It's not exactly action-packed. It's more workmanlike. It's like, okay, yes. here's the problem. Let's work the problem. And But, you know, there's something Police to be procedural. said for episodes like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's something I mean, to be said for that. We're always griping about not having real science fiction. So this is real science fiction. Mm-hmm. And and it's no fault of the writing and the, the acting and stuff. This is, it's this has some good solid acting in it with, you know, Kirk, you know, before he started really, you know, emoting. So it had more subtlety it's got spock's obi-wan kenobi moment which i think george lucas had to have been inspired <laughs> by this because it's on um, the dialogue's almost line for line you know when um when all the vulcans die and he does oh you know as if oh yeah yeah you know? and i mean it's almost line for line for the way he describes it felt great disturbance in the vulcan force yeah yeah, yeah. Basically, but uh, which is funny because he 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 uh, should have been like collapsed into a ball in the first Star Trek remake when Vulcan got blown up. Ooh, you know that's a good that's a good catch. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing I thought. I was like, geez, you know, this is just a spaceship full of Vulcans. When when the whole planet went down, every Vulcan in the universe should have been, you know, just going nuts. You know, probably in shock. Mm-hmm true but um, good catch but as far as low budget episodes go this is this is your classic you know go to you know a little, little special effect of the shuttlecraft i still love the shot when the shuttlecraft bay door slides open mm-hmm. you know just the one onto the shuttlecraft bay and you just see that long expense expanse of empty room with the shuttlecraft sitting there, I love that shot. I don't know why, but that's always one of my favorite. If you didn't see the enhanced episode of this, you gotta see it because the effects are really, really good in that. Because they beefed up the amoeba thing, and that shot you're talking about of the shuttlecraft preparing to leave the hangar bay is completely redone um, CG, but it looks really sharp. I mean, it keeps the flavor right. Of the original shots, but it just looks that much better. But that was also one of my... my... It's because I watched it on StarTrek.com, that's why. Oh, okay. And you know, Hmm? I want to love StarTrek.com and recommend it. But man, they make it hard to find an episode you want to watch and watch it. It's it's just... It has... It's... 
I'm very thankful that there's a StarTrek.com where you can go watch any Star Trek episode. But it would be really nice to organize it so you could just go, oh, there's all the, you know, the three seasons of the original series. Here's all right. the seasons of Next Generation. Instead, you can look at them listed alphabetically <laughs> with, with all the shows just mixed together. So I don't know if they're just trying to encourage you to watch them randomly or or what, but... Eh. <laughs> eh. thought you had Netflix. I do not. Scott 2.0 Next Door does. Oh, okay. I I was yeah I haven't uh, I could I should probably find somebody to leech their Netflix off. <laughs> yeah, you need to see this one in the enhanced because it I thought it added a lot to it. But uh, yeah, I mean because I enjoy the episode anyway. But you know that shot you were talking about though of the of the shuttlecraft leaving the hangar bay, it did occur to me on this viewing that. It created a bit of a nitpick for me, which is, you know, anybody in you know real space flight, you know, NASA, whatever, will, will will tell you that one of the major considerations when going out into space, both now, present day, but also, you know, it's it's always going to exist. It's going to be into the future, is space and, and practical considerations of you know, size and, and payload and all that sort of thing. And so it's that's why it's funny to me. You go back and you watch um, movies or, or TV shows or whatever that predicted man going to the moon or man going into space mm -hmm. just prior to when we actually went. There was one I was watching not long ago. I think it was Man in Space, if I'm not mistaken. And it showed a pretty accurate representation of what it would look like for us to go into space but you know like a decade or better before we actually went you know before the actual moon missions and all that but it was still pretty close to how it actually happened when it eventually happened the only real big difference was that the astronauts as they're navigating around the moon and everything they're in this like spacious cabin where they can get up and walk right. around and you know i mean they, they'd have enough room to play like handball and stuff in there and you know the real missions when they went they're basically in a telephone booth you know it, yeah. it, it's the tiniest little thing because space and weight and payload is just that's a major mathematical yeah and it's, formula it's, that they have to work with it may not even be navigating space as much as getting it up off of earth Exactly. Into space in the first place, yeah. So then you've got Star Trek, and for the most part, the original Enterprise, I think, feels realistic to a sense. You know, I mean, when they're walking down the corridors and all that, it's kind of claustrophobic. It doesn't really give you the sense of, you know, that they that they squandered space or whatever. It could be a little tighter and a little narrower, but for the most part, it looks more functional than you know like like they were using it in like a design you know because like by the time of next gen their enterprise is much more like you know a hotel in space you know right, it looks right. like something designed to be comfortable because you're going to be spending your life there kind of thing right whereas the original enterprise much more functional much more spaceship 
But then that shot in the hangar bay, I mean, you've got this little teeny tiny shuttlecraft mm-hmm. and this massive bay. It's like, come on, they're, that's completely of wasted it, space. They're thinking because it, it's more better to, I guess it was probably just better to represent it as something visually familiar like an airplane hangar to people right. when they see it. And it's like, oh, it's a hangar, you know? Right. And and uh, so, yeah, it's not practical. You would basically just have a slot probably just big enough for it to go in and out of. And that's the thing is, too, and the the door for the shuttlecraft to go out is not that much taller than the shuttlecraft, but it's got this huge room inside of it. That's not going to help you <laughs> land or take off at all, you know? It's Unless there's some sort of equipment that comes from the ceiling or something that they can use. Yeah, the, I mean, the shot that I really like in there is just when you first look in there and you just see the shuttlecraft sitting there. Mm-hmm. You know, they use the same shot when... Um, Spock has his parents come to visit in that one episode. Right. And I just love that. That just pushes all my science fiction buttons. <laughs> Every single one of them. In well, sequence. You know, they, that was definitely something that they indre- addressed in later movies when they would show the, the hangar bay again. Because I remember in, you know, in the motion picture when Kirk first gets to the Enterprise, he, uh, he comes through the airlock and he looks down into... You know that same area, and it's a buzz with work, and there's you know shuttle pods going back and forth, and you can see them like stacking cargo, and so they're using that space more practically for right. storage and things like that. It looks very large, but at the same place, you know, same time, it's it's being chock full of stuff, supplies and other ships and things like that. And again, in uh, in Star Trek Five, you know, it, it's they show the shuttle bay. But there's multiple shuttles in there, and it's not quite the massive expanse that it is here, where it's just a giant bay for one teeny tiny little shuttle. It's, you know, it's again chock full of other ships and equipment and things, and it's not as deep either. At least I don't think so. It doesn't give the illusion that it's as you know runs as far lengthwise as it seems to right. here. But like I say, minor quibble, but definitely something that occurred to me. I'm like, wow, that's just. <laughs> much more space than it looks like they actually need for this thing. Yep, taking up a huge percentage of the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because space is everything. You know, when you're when you're talking about, you know, a spaceship that you're going to be living in, and how many they they say there's four hundred and something, four hundred and thirty or something, something like crewmen yeah. on that ship. You know, and all you know, they're they're on a you know at least a five year mission. That's pretty. Packed. So they're gonna. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of people in a in a very small space. So again, space is at a premium, and you're gonna want to have areas where they can go. And that that's the one thing that kills me with the the budgetary constraints that they were always suffering in every incarnation of Star Trek. Is that did you ever see like the uh, like uh, the blueprint book or like mm-hmm. Mr. Scott's Guide to the Enterprise? Yes, because you'd see those books and they would show you really cool sections of the ship that looked like they'd be a lot of fun, but you never actually got to see them on any of the shows or in any of the movies. And that would always kill me because it looked like certain areas would be really, really neat to have been able to to visualize them on the screen and show us what these guys do in their off time. That one, it was one of the reasons I always liked you know, that the comics could do that. They weren't worried about 
you know, budgetary constraints so they could show more of, you know, the rec deck and, you know, the different amenities that they had. Because even the couple of times that we got a glimpse of, like, the gym or something, it was usually crap. It was like a corner. Right, you right. Know, like They're the one where ball in a corner or something. Yeah, yeah. you know, we're 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 Kirk and Charlie X are working yeah. out. You know, you got Sam over in the corner. We're using those stupid pulley things, and that was about all you got to <laughs> see. You right. didn't get to see, you know, <laughs> like if they had, you know, because I think Next Gen said something about having like a zero zero gravity gymnasium and you know all these different cool amenities, but you never really got to see any of it. It's a shame. Again, that's that's one of those things that goes to my love of of the first movie. Is at least, you know, with the budget on that movie, they were able to do a little bit more. You got to see a little bit of the wreck deck, and you know, you got to see the whole crew assemble. You know, for Kirk's little briefing and stuff like that. But yeah, they kind of yeah. had to do it for that. That was a reintroduction, and right. You know, so yeah, but that was the end of the big budget. One time they got the big budget, and that was it. I'm surprised somebody hasn't made, like, just a computer simulation virtual enterprises yet. You know, like... Well, I'm sure get, it's out there somewhere. That would be really cool. I think there was something like that a number of years ago. There was some CD-ROM, I remember, that was out there. And I want to say it was narrated by Patrick Stewart, but I could be wrong. But it was something Star Trek something something CD-ROM... And I want to say that there was a uh, like a virtual tour of it was probably his enterprise, you know, the the Enterprise D. But I mean, this is going back like twenty years or better, so I, I, it's kind of fuzzy. It was not something I ever owned. I just remember it being out there and on the market, kind of thing. See, I think in the future that's what the, how they should market the shows. Is you go to Star Trek dot com, you go to the original Enterprise. And you can just sort of wander around all over the whole ship, and as you awesome. and you have to basically get into every little area in order to see everything that they have on it. Well, even if it's not out there officially, I mean, with all the Star Trek hardcore nerds out there in the world, there's got to be one out there somewhere that somebody's just patched together. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like uh, like in uh, what's that movie, Galaxy Quest. Mm-hmm. You know where the where the guys have their little group that they get together and Skype chat or whatever, and you know they've got their virtual walkthrough of that whole ship and everything. I'm sure there's something like that out there for at least some incarnation of Trek, whether it's classic or TNG or whatever. I'm sure yeah. that there's little walkthrough things and everything. It'd be interesting to see because I mean, while we didn't again, you know, we didn't see all these areas ourselves. I mean, the blueprints exist; they're right there. So it's mm-hmm. just a matter of you're rendering them in three dimensions and then interpolating, uh, you know, what you imagine, you know, the window fixtures or the doorknobs or whatever would look like or the colors of the walls or whatever. I mean, you know, that sort of thing. But that would be cool. Yeah, I would really enjoy that. I would I, I would just be wander around in it all day, actually. I got to be honest, I don't have a lot on this episode. I was kind of worried about this because every time there's one that I really, really like, I don't really have a lot mm-hmm. to say on it. It was more just little, funny little observations. Um, for one thing, it's funny because my wife was kind of sort of watching it with me. I right. mean, it was like on, you know, and she'd look up from time to time to roll her eyes or whatever. But there was one moment where uh, where they were showing uh, Helm and, and uh, Navigation, and she goes, who's that guy? 
and it was Kyle was at uh, Sulu Station, and man, I, maybe my memory's just going or something. When the hell did Kyle ever work the helm? I don't remember. I don't that. know. It was just odd to see him there. I mean, Sulu, I think, was the only primary missing from this episode. Probably off doing the Green Berets at the time or something. Oh, right, right. But, That's uh, probably how Kyle got onto the helm then. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I don't remember. And it's funny because, you know, normally with that sort of thing, because I know that there's one of the guys that plays a security guard where he, like, dies in an episode and then later on he's back again, but he's like a helmsman or something. Mm-hmm. That happened all the time. So at first I kind of chalked it up to that. But then Kirk actually calls him Kyle, except he doesn't say Kyle. He says Cowell. Every time he talks to him, he calls him Mr. Cowell, which I thought was hysterical. (laughs) I don't know if he was purposely mispronouncing it or what. Just messing with him. But I just thought that was strange because, you know, Kyle's one of those, like, really obscure characters. He's like a wedge. We all remember. Yeah, like wedge. Exactly. We all remember him because of, you know, just a couple key. But he was kind of like O'Brien before O'Brien. You know, because he was the transporter guy. But that's how I always remember him, is I remember him as, you know, Mr. Kyle, the transporter operator. And so seeing him here at the helm, I'm just like, geez, I don't remember that. So I just thought that was really funny. I like Kurt's line about, like, resting on some lovely planet. And it's like, planet, yeah, I know yeah. what you're going to rest on top of <laughs> he, he does some it twice, Lovely too. ensign is what yeah. Kurt's going to rest on top of. <laughs> she wasn't bad looking, either. Yeah, I know. I thought that. Well, there's so many little sexual innuendos. Through. I mean, you could have a field day going through this episode and pulling certain lines out of context and stringing them together and making okay. it like the filthiest thing. Well, they're inside of that- reproducing a, a amoeba, an asexually reproducing amoeba. So <laughs> there was one point where I think it's Spock that says it. He says something like. The area of penetration yes. shall be sensitive or something. And my wife just looks over at me with raised eyebrows like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> How observant of you, Spock. <laughs> yeah, Kirk's just like, way ahead of you, buddy. Yep. Way ahead of you. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I Like I said, I didn't really take notes on this one. Um I looked over a couple like little factoid things on it, but there wasn't really anything that really jumped out at me. I mean, I, it's just it's an enjoyable episode. I get a kick out of it, and uh, and I really enjoyed the enhanced version. I thought it looked that much better. It's a solid, because, solid well-written episode, but it doesn't <clears throat> have a lot of stuff in it for us to pick on. No. You know, it doesn't have a lot of scenery chewing or... A scene with somebody getting electrocuted and going, yeah, or, you know, a real cheesiness. It's, yeah, it's solid. Well, there is the one moment, though, where where Spock goes into the amoeba creature and there's that little ripple that happens. And we see him picking himself up off the floor of the shuttlecraft. And then he teases McCoy a minute later. And he's like, oh, by the way, doctor, you would not have survived. Yeah. I'm thinking, what? You wouldn't survive being tossed to the floor? <laughs> I mean, really? So I thought that was a little bit. It was a little goofy, but well, again, you know, it's, I it's mean, there was that the, they had the sort of premise going that the thing was sucking the very life energy out of the crew too, you know. So that's what I was assuming that meant. 
but they didn't really right. follow through on it because Spock wasn't like groggy or you know it didn't really seem to have any effect on Spock whereas everybody else was get had to get shot up with happy juice every 5 seconds <laughs> yeah Kirk's now a a crack addict or whatever that space crack that, well it's uh, funny we've seen them now shot up with amphetamines and shut up with uh depressants from <laughs> the red jack episode which would have been funny if mccoy goofed it you know reverse the two <laughs> you just lose the will to live and die yeah be so gloomy gloomy because isn't that what happens to that dude in um oh, what's the one where they get the scratchy palms there <laughs> oh, damn it i can't think of it oh naked uh the naked time naked time Yes. Naked time. That that one guy gets it. He the one that goes down to the planet with Spock, Joe. He comes back to the ship and then he eventually ends up dying of just like I think McCoy pronounces the cause of death was he just didn't want to live anymore. <laughs> the opposite of <laughs> evil Kirk. <Right. laughs> I don't want to live. <laughs> oh God. man. Well, I, I think, think it's, it's that about time. that time. Yep. Sorry, folks. It's such a short episode, but it's it's because it's a solid episode. So, you know, if this was too short for you, you can tack fifty minutes onto it by actually watching, <laughs> right? Watching the immunity syndrome, and you know, I wanted to say the paradise syndrome <laughs> it was just like coming out. All right, I'll fire this stupid computer off. This thing has been just. Now it makes this smoky, oily smell that just gets into everything. It's horrifying. All right. Number seven. Lucky seven. I uh, think we've, we've done, done that. that. Yep. What was it? It was... I crossed it out here. Let's see. That was... What are little girls made of? Fifty. Number 50 is <gasps> Patterns of Force. Have we done that? Ooh, that's the Space Nazi one. I don't think we've done that one, have we? I don't think it's we on my, have. It's on my list. That's the one where they go to to, to Nazi planet there. So we finally, yeah, come, we finally come to Space Hitler, have we? Space Hitler, yep, exactly. I don't remember that one very well. I the the part of that that I always remember was um, just before the commercial break where they make Spock take off his helmet because Randy used to love that part. We had to try to get him for that one because I yeah, I know should. he loves that episode. I will see if I can get a hold of that fool because the last time I tried to get him, he's like, yeah, yeah, I want to do it, and then he never showed up. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> That's pretty much how it went down, too. <laughs> you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. 
If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our brand new website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.